You're listening to Valley Edition. I'm Kathleen Schock. For more than two decades, the small Tulare County community of Tuleyville has been without a secure supply of safe drinking water. The simplest solution would be to connect the town's water system to that of its neighbor, the city of Exeter. It would take less than a mile of pipe to get it done, but years of red tape and failed negotiations have kept the consolidation from taking place. Now the state has stepped in with a new law, SB 403, which could bring safe drinking water to Tuleyville and hundreds of communities like it throughout the Central Valley. To learn more, I spoke to Michael Claiborne, directing attorney for the Leadership Council for Justice and Accountability. It's really easy to understand why Tuleyville would want to consolidate its water system with Exeter. Why has Exeter been so resistant? That's a really good question. Uh, And I think a lot of it goes back to history. So the community of Tuleyville is just outside the city of Exeter. It's 0.7 miles away. And it's historically been and continues to be a community of color, home to uh, largely low-income farm workers. And there's been a reluctance on the part of the city of Exeter to extend drinking water service past its own boundaries and provide drinking water service to its neighbor. Uh, I think the city of Exeter would say or have said that the city has its own problems and it has limited staff to deal with those problems. So taking on an additional community in terms of drinking water service has been something they've been reluctant to do. The community of Tuleyville approached the city of Exeter back in 2001 to start a conversation around consolidation. And there have been a number of issues that the city has raised since then that it believed prevented a consolidation. At the beginning, the issue that the city had raised was that it was a charter city and under state law, extending drinking water service outside of its city limits may have jeopardized that status as a charter city. There was actually a law passed in 2008 or 2009 to address that and resolve that issue. And then since then, they've raised, I think, another number of other barriers, some of which are legitimate, like the need to address its own drinking water system. However, at the same time, the state has offered funding and incentives to try to overcome those barriers. And there's yet to be an agreement for consolidation that would solve the drinking water problems in the community of Tuleyville. And just to be clear, what's happening in Tuleyville, it's not unique to that community. There's communities like this throughout the Central Valley. Is that right? Throughout the Central Valley and throughout the state, there's a drinking water crisis in this state. There's hundreds of thousands of Californians that lack access to safe drinking water because of contamination in a water system, because of contamination in private domestic wells, and because of dry wells, because of overpumping of groundwater. So this is definitely not a unique situation in the community of Tuleyville. It's it's a statewide problem. Okay, so what is the state doing to solve it? I, I, I know there's recently been the passage of SB 403. Could you just explain what that bill could mean for these communities? I think backing up a little bit, just to provide some context, the state of California in 2012 recognized that access to safe and affordable drinking water is a human right. And there have been a lot of efforts since then to try to make that a reality for 
households and communities throughout the state. I think one of the more visible efforts has been to secure funding for drinking water solutions. Uh, and at this point, a lot of that funding has been secured that's needed to address drinking water problems. There's $650 million in this year's state budget alone to address drinking water. The problem is that funding is really only half the battle for a lot of communities. The other issue is really local politics that can get in the way of solutions in communities like Tuleyville. And to try to get around those local politics, there have been a number of past policy efforts to try to establish legal tools that would allow the state to mandate consolidation of water systems, mandate two water systems joining together to try to solve drinking water problems. In 2015, there was a law called SB 88, and that law allows the state water board under current law to order two water systems to consolidate where one consistently fails to provide an adequate supply of safe drinking water. So where one water system has already failed. The problem with that law is it's really reactive. It doesn't allow the state to proactively mandate consolidation or facilitate consolidation. Instead, it requires the state water board to wait until there's already a drinking water crisis and then react to it by mandating a consolidation. In a lot of communities like Tuleyville that have had consistent failures to provide safe drinking water for decades, those problems can be intermittent. So in Tuleyville, for example, they've had nitrate contamination off and on since 1978. And most recently, they have contamination with a chemical called hexavalent chromium. That's a carcinogen. Because of a lawsuit in 2017, that carcinogen is unregulated. So it wasn't clear that the state water board could mandate consolidation between the city of Exeter and Tuleyville over the last several years because they weren't technically out of compliance with any drinking water standard, any maximum contaminant level. So I think what we saw and what the author of SB 403 saw, um, Senator Lena Gonzalez, is that there's a need to act more proactively for water systems that are at risk of failing. So where do things stand for Tuleyville now? I understand that there are some negotiations that have restarted with Exeter. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. In August of this year, the state water board sent a letter to both Tuleyville and the city of Exeter after one of Tuleyville's two wells stopped producing in the summer, failed because of falling groundwater levels. Uh, and subsequently, they were able to restart that well. But the state water board felt that because of that well failure and the history of contamination, Tuleyville met the current standard of consistently failing to provide an adequate supply of safe drinking water and sent a letter, a letter requesting that both Tuleyville and the city of Exeter restart negotiations around a voluntary consolidation. Since that letter went out, there have been, I think, four meetings now between Tuleyville and the city of Exeter trying to negotiate a voluntary consolidation. And I have a lot of optimism that those talks are going to result in ultimately a voluntary agreement to consolidate. You know, it's really easy, I would think, for, for somebody listening to this to say to themselves, if you're in a community where there's no clean drinking water, just move. But I don't think it is that simple for people who live in communities like Tuleyville. No, it's absolutely not that easy. I think a couple things. The first is that 
no one should have to leave the community where they've lived and grown up and raised families because of an entirely solvable drinking water problem. So that's the first thing. And then the second is we hear from community residents every day that if given the choice, maybe they would move to a community that has safe drinking water. Often at times that choice is not available to people because the affordable housing is in the community they're in now. And they couldn't afford to say, for example, in the Tuleyville situation, move from Tuleyville to the city of Exeter. It just seems to me unfathomable that it is 2021 and we live in a state where, what are the estimates? Roughly a million people are in communities where they don't have reliable access to clean drinking water. Do you think that these steps that the state is now making will finally be a solution to that problem? And if so, how long is it going to take? Or, I mean, can you just give us a sense of how realistic is it that this extraordinarily huge problem is, is finally going to be solved? Yeah, it's, it's a massive problem and it's going to take time to solve. There are more than 300 drinking water systems in the state that are currently providing safe, unsafe drinking water. And then there's another more than 600 systems in the state that the state water board has identified as being at risk of failing to provide an adequate supply of safe drinking water. So to make progress, I think two things are needed. The first is to provide solutions to the communities and households that already have unsafe drinking water or lack water altogether because a well has failed. But the second is that we need to act more proactively by investing in these at-risk water systems, either through a consolidation or by providing funds needed to make sure that those water systems are sustainable. If we don't act proactively, we're really on a treadmill. We're not making progress on a statewide level. Even if we make progress on a community level, the state water board has said, estimated that 47 water systems every year, new water systems go out of compliance. And until we bring that number down, it's going to be hard to make progress. I've been talking with Michael Claiborne, directing attorney with the Leadership Council. Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me.